Friday edition of the call up and you know what we're doing. We're continuing to hammer through this top 100 list, uh, but it's been a ball. And I know Jack, it's just going to get better and better every time we do this episode until we get to one because we're counting down. And I think we're going to say this every single time now, but we got a good group of 10 players today. Yeah, no, I I think 20 to 11 isn't as good as as 50 to 41, right? Because that's how that's how lists work. That's how that, w- that would be admitting that our list is trash. <laughs> if, right. if 20 to 11 is worse than 70 to, to 61. I like this group better. No, I, <laughs> this is a very fun group that we've got. And these are honestly a lot of guys that I've seen. Yeah. Um, and that's the beauty of like minor league ball. You know, you can watch all the highlights and all the videos that you want, but um, you know, unless you're committing hours and hours and hours to it, which I know that you do, you're not seeing the bad of a lot of these guys. No, what minor league baseball is, is the same thing as high school basketball in the hoop mixtape. You watch the hoop mixtape and you think seventh woods is the next coming of LeBron James. Yeah. And then seventh woods is on his fourth school in, in like six years. So um, that, that's what you see with minor league baseball. You only see the good. If, if somebody like Andy Pajes, who spoiler, we're going to start with, even though you spoiled it, uh, yesterday at the end of the pod, um, if he hits a moonshot, you're probably going to see it on social media, uh, or on YouTube. But if he goes over three with three punch outs and two of them are looking, you're not going to see that. Yeah. Um, MLB pipeline tweets like hat trick for Pajes with three emojis, fire emoji or something like it's just not going to happen. Exactly. Um, so exactly. no, I, I'm, I, it's a good point because I'll tell you what, when I go back and watch these games, man, some of the shit that I see, I see yeah. some of the craziest stuff I've ever, like what happens on the minor league fields sometimes in terms of inside the park, home runs, horrible errors, like crazy plays guys striking out because of the pitch clock without a pitch being thrown. Like there is so much stuff that nobody knows is going on uh, unless you watch the games. Uh, but also that that's a testament to the, the things that you can see uh, at bat to at bat adjustability uh, also just the, the mental side of things as well. You know, a guy having a horrible at bat, how he bounces back the next day. Uh, and that's something that I think when we talk about Andy Pajes, it seems to be, uh, he has some swing and miss in his game, but yeah. it seemed like when he was going bad, it was like a quick turn of the page and he would heat up. It didn't seem yeah. like things would compound for him. And he was a younger guy playing at the upper levels and generally speaking, you're either really, really polished or you have the the ability between the ears to accommodate that kind of aggressive move. And I think that for Pajes, it was more the latter because he's he's a pretty raw prospect overall. Yeah, I think so. I, I will throw a third wrinkle in there. Like the third type of player that can get an aggressive assignment like that is if the tools are just so loud that you can't ignore like Ellie De La Cruz, you know, he yeah. might not be ready for high A, but the tools are too good to have him in low A. Um, with Pajes, I'm with you. There's a lot of raw stuff here, um, but the way that he adjusted to high A, he's in double A now, right? He's in Tulsa. Yes. Yeah. So he's in double A and he, he's still a young guy. He's 21 years old and he's in double A ball right now. And doing well. A, yeah. And doing well. I saw him as a 20 year old in high A with the Great Lakes Loons in the Midwest League. And this guy had a you know, near a 400 OBP with 31 bombs. He was, I mean, he looked like the big bopper. And, and you never say that about a 20 year old in high A. It's always, oh, they're the project that this organization is really excited about. And let's see if we can see flashes in the pan. 
Those guys are never your top contributor. And there were other contributors on that team. That offense was ridiculous. They had Miguel Vargas for the front half of the year. And then they had um, Ryan Ward, who had a great year. They had James Outman for the front half of the year, who was great. But Pajes and Ward were the two that were the three, four hitters that were the producers in there. And having a 20-year-old as your main producer in high A is nearly unheard of. A hundred percent. And it's funny because I remember I texted you early, early in the season. You're like, yeah, he looks really, really interesting, but like, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Right. Like you could see that there's, there was a lot of moving parts. Uh, He looks raw. He was young uh, and just seemed like he got better. Every time I checked in with you, how does he look? It was just like a better report, better report. And by the end of the season, you're like, this guy's legit. Like this guy, not only is he a potential star, He's putting it together already now. And, and I think we saw that through last year's numbers, which you, you mentioned the 265, 394, 539 slash line, but 14% walk rate, 24.5% K rate. When you're hitting 31 home runs, that's more than fine. Uh, early going in, in double A, 18 games as we're recording this, 23% K rate. So we didn't, the way, I think there was a level of concern of, okay, 25% K rate in high A, that could balloon to 30 plus and double. Right. It hasn't. He's at 23. It's dropped a percent and a half. And the walk rate is consistently solid. Uh, Two home runs in the 18 games. And I mean, it's been really, really good for him so far. And he's a guy that continues to tweak his swing uh, to be more conducive to contact. He's a freak athlete with crazy raw power. So I don't think he needs too many moving parts to be tapping into that power. And I mean, he looks really good, man. And when you see high leg kick like Pajes has, you you immediately think moving part, right? You think, okay, is he going to get it down in time? There are so many things that can go wrong with a high leg kick. But with Pajes, that's literally the only moving part of his swing. It's relaxed. He's he's got the barrel. I mean, his hands are probably chest high and he's holding the barrel upright, like parallel to his body. And then all of a sudden you see him as the pitcher kicks his knee up, it kicks his knee up. Pajes gets into like that launch spot. He brings the hands up, then the leg goes up. It drops in plenty of time, and it's as simple a swing as you can find as soon as that lead leg plants. I, it's He has the easiest power that I saw last year in high A. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And, and he's, he can move, too. And, and again, like, so w- when I see the, the leg kick and the moving parts a little bit, you know, you have the, the question of repeatability and all of those things. When you're a great athlete, you can get away with that more. And he's a great athlete. He's an above average runner uh, who, who really like is able to potentially stick in center. I like him more in, in a corner, but I think he can play center in a pinch, which is a testament to his athleticism because he's a big stocky dude. Um, and yes. he just moves well in the box. His setup is a little bit reminiscent of, of Eugenio Suarez with that relaxed yep. setup. And I, before people are like, oh, Suarez. Suarez doesn't swing and miss as much as you think. He's just a guy that gets out of whack on his own with a ridiculously inconsistent approach, but he's been better and, this and year, by the way. he just sucked last year. You're right. That's the thing. He just sucked last year. Think about 2019 at Eugenio Suarez. I was going to say, he's still like, even if, if he flamed out now, like that, when we're talking about prospects to have a Eugenio Suarez outcome, I think is pretty, pretty darn good. Um, but yeah. he's more athletic than Suarez, I would say. And uh, that's what really stands out to me. Uh, the, the power last year is ridiculous. It seems like he's he's focusing now on more consistent contact. He's toned the, the leg kick down a tiny bit, uh, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. The Dodgers, another really good piece here. Still only 21 years old, big time upside. And, and from what everything that I've read um, and heard discussed about Pajes, 
it, he's got the work ethic, the makeup and all of the intangibles that you really like too. So uh, it just seems like a well-rounded prospect that you can easily get behind. Yeah. So a couple of guys that we're going to talk about in this top 10 list, um, you know, the beauty of also working in minor league ball is, you know, in the mornings, you just kind of walk around and you deliver documents to, to certain clubhouses and all that stuff. Like, you know, when I, when I get both lineups, I got to go down there and, and get those. And then when I finish the game notes, I got to go down there and drop those off. Um, I would do a lot of that in the morning because I was a morning person. And that's when these teams would lift at the ballpark in the weight room. And uh, I constantly saw Andy Pahe yeah. there. Constantly. That's, it's funny you say that because like that's what the, the word is on him. Yeah. Like as cliche as it is, first guy in, last guy out. Um, and, you know, you like to hear that about a guy that is the youngest player on his team or at least one of. So very excited about Pajes. And I think there's a legitimate outcome where he's, you know, 30 plus homers and gets on base at a high clip and can play all three outfield spots, which is one of the best outfielders in the game. Like that is an actual potential outcome. So he could be rising up this list quick. Yes. And real quick before we move off of him, because the next guy is also somebody that I constantly saw in the weight room. And I know is uh, I mean, it, it's honestly comical, like how much good weight he's put on over the last couple of years. Um, but Pajes, you said freak athlete. And I think a lot of people are going to think looks like Michael B. Jordan with his shirt off, like that type of freak athlete. You know what I mean? Luis Robert Acuna. That is not Andy Pajes. He's a freak athlete in a different way. I'm going to push back. I don't think he can stick in center. I think he's a really good corner outfielder. I think he's one of the better defensive right fielders in the game if he if he achieves full form because he's got a hose and he's got the range of a below average center fielder. He can play center in a pinch. Think Chris Bryant in center. Yeah. Fair? Yeah. I was thinking like Chris Bryant. What is judge in center field? Yeah, like, like that. that's kind of what Pajes is. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, so he's made two starts in center. He's made 13 in right yeah, and one in right left. fielder. Yeah, but I think there's still that, like, desire to get him a few games out there. Again, because the fact that he's capable out there, I, I think, is just a testament to, to him because – I would know you look at him, you would never expect him to be able to get away with playing center field. So uh, I'm, I'm just surprised he can even do that at all. So great corner outfield potential, though. And the arm is a hose and right. So I'm very excited to see how this guy continues to develop. And as you mentioned, could be an excellent defensive right fielder, which would really help him. Uh, the next guy, as you mentioned, someone that really put on a lot of good weight, a lot of good strength, and it's showing on the radar gun. Bobby Miller. First round pick in 2020, 29th overall out of Louisville, uh, 6'5, which I don't think people realize, like sneaky 6'5. Uh, yeah. and throw on threw on a lot of muscle. He has the tight pants to back it up, uh, Walker Bueller style. And here, th- this is all I gotta say about Bobby Miller. His last start, Jack, and I was we were talking about this before uh we started recording. He hit triple digits 24 times. 24 times. That's like Hunter Green-esque. Uh, he's not touching 102. It was 100 to 101. Uh, but the, the only problem is the fastball doesn't quite have the shape that is desired. So he needs that 100 right now because the fastball was was concerning in terms of its shape and profile. Uh, but, man, I mean, if he makes a little bit of a tweak with the way the fastball comes out and, and a little bit more of that tweak towards riding action, that induced vertical break, it could be a plus-plus fastball. But right now, I mean, the VLO is taken care of. Yeah. So this guy, like it is, it's, it's an easier hundred than Hunter Green. 
Hunter Green looks like, you know, an athlete when he throws a hundred, it looks like this guy is, you know, has, has modified his body to work at high speed, work at warp speed and throw a hundred miles an hour. Bobby Miller's just a massive human being. You mentioned he's six, five, two twenty. It's, it's not a quick delivery. It is, I'm going to take my time, you know, boom, 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 boom. And then I explode. And the arm, you know, the arm speed's great, but I'm thinking just the sheer force that comes from that guy's arm. He's jacked. Seeing him in person, I was like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a pitcher that looks like this before. It's, it's wild. And the fastball, dude, you talk about jacked. It's all good strength. Yes. Averaging, averaging. 99.8 miles per hour so far this season. What the he's hell is that? that? He's just doing that by being bigger and stronger than everybody, which is so good. It's so good because if it was a mechanical thing, like if it was, you know, you're working crazy hard, then injury concerns pile in. The Dodgers are so good in regards to, in regards to taking care of their, their pitching prospects. Um, you know, they're capped at like three innings. They're capped at 40 pitches until they get to double A. I didn't see Bobby Miller throw more than three innings in a start last year. And I saw him start five or six times. Three, three outings this year, seven and two thirds. So it's really hard to gauge the stats and gauge the, you know, the, the ERA, you're looking at everything. It's really hard to do because he had one bad outing, which was his last outing. He gave up five earned runs in three innings. And it kind of skewed things because his first outing, he went four innings and struck out six. So it, it's just kind of weird and difficult to try to, to draw into like what he's doing. Cause they haven't really stretched him out again. My only concern is, is the fastball shape because as we know, a hundred is great, but it's gotta it's have that fastball. life to it. It guys right. can hit it. Uh, but I like the slider a lot and it's, it's 89 to 91, sometimes 92. And that looks like a plus pitch to me. And then he also has, a changeup that I think is shown really well. And that's going to be a big pitch for him uh, because obviously it'll help the fastball play up. Uh, and with the arm speed that he generates, how effortless his velo is, I think that you could have that changeup look really similar to the fastball out of his hand, given that there's not a lot of effort there uh, with the fastball and it's, it's able to be replicated pretty well. But, you know, I, I am, I am concerned to a degree, just like, what does it look like for Bobby Miller to be stretched out? Cause if that VLO dips to 96, 97, that fastball is going to get hammered even harder until he really adjusts the shape of it a little bit. So I, I think the comp right now, and you think best case scenario, you know, the comp for Bobby Miller is Zach Wheeler, Justin Verlander type, right? With, with the hard, hard fastball and tumbling slider and a good changeup to work off of it. I think the comp right now is Freddie Peralta, who can get hit a little bit when he's off and who also can struggle to throw strikes at points. And Freddie was a guy who, you know, was a couple of innings and then he really tapered off. So that's why he was a bullpen swingman type. We'll see what Bobby Miller looks like when he's stretched out. The comp right now for me is Freddie Peralta. Um, if he looks good and if he can sustain velocity as he gets stretched out, then it turns into a loftier comp for me, like Wheeler or Verlander. And that's the thing is the upside is so immense uh, when you're it's able insane. to throw 100 this way and you have a 6'5", 225 frame uh, and in all of the ability that he has and the athleticism on the mound. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Bobby Miller develops into. Uh, but it is interesting to see how the, how the Dodgers approach it because we haven't really seen him stretched out. Uh, and right now, through the first seven and two-thirds innings that he's thrown, the bad starts were not walks. It wasn't command issues. It was just getting hit. So, I mean, that's that's the interesting thing is the stuff is good, but 
I, I think that slider's got to tick up Freddie Peralta style or the fastball's got to be adjusted a little bit, but I still think he's got a, a really good shot to be a very, very nasty, nasty starting pitcher. And I think the Dodgers are the right team to obviously try to eke that out of them. Right. I was going to say that. I mean, he's in the picture perfect organization to try and change something about the fastball or the overall arsenal. Absolutely. And a guy that's not in a picture perfect organization uh, for his development, Khalil Watson, uh, shortstop prospect at the Miami Marlins who don't do well with developing hitters. But if there's one guy that can transcend that, it's Khalil Watson, right? Because Khalil Watson doesn't need your help. Uh, he's a freak. He has crazy raw power. I, but here's the thing. I, I saw him on the backfields. And Khalil in spring training, Jack, I've never seen the kind of raw bat speed that I saw from Khalil. I'm not kidding. Never have seen, you know, from a prospect, that kind of raw bat speed. Uh, maybe I mean, I saw Vlad Guerrero Jr. in AAA Syracuse, I guess. So that that's the only exception. But I'm serious. Like, the bat speed is off the charts. He's 5'9", 180, 190, and generates this insane amount of whip and just explosiveness in the box. I talked to some people that were there, and I talked to some Marlins uh, folks that were obviously there on the backfields. And I said, when's the last time you've seen a guy with this kind of bat speed? And they said, never, never, never. You know, uh, like it would be the the prospects that preceded us, you know, because most of these guys are, you know, newer in the last three, four years. Uh, They they haven't seen it. It's unbelievable. There's swing and miss. It's early in his career. He's a little bit undisciplined at times, but we've already seen the power, you know, come out pretty strong for Khalil Watson, who ultimately could be one of the biggest steals of the draft dropped because of signability and, you know, whatever pre-draft conversations that might've turned teams off a little bit. Uh, But for the Marlins, it was a no brainer to scoop him up. And he's got five home runs through his first 16 games in low a. There we go. Um, Yeah. I watching the video, the only guy that I've seen that young with that type of bat speed is like, watching the E60s on Bryce Harper when he was in high school and things like that, which is is an insane comp. And I'm not comping him to Bryce Harper. He's not going to do Bryce Harper production, but we're just talking bat speed here and we're talking path of the swing. Um, the swing is gorgeous and he he drifts forward in the best way. It You can tangibly see his weight transferring forward and he explodes onto the baseball, right? He's not necessarily staying back and like getting tilt and, and letting his body take over because he doesn't have the body to do that yet. Is yeah. he going to build? Is he going to, you know, go through his final stages of puberty? Yeah, probably. Um, he's listed at 5'9", 180. I think he actually is 5'9", 180 right now. Um, I saw, I watched back um, a little bit of the draft and I saw Kylie McDaniel compare the swing to J-Ram and, oh. and you can see it, that, that slight drift forward and the quick turn on it, the, the rotation, that speed, the rotational yeah, explosive that frame. The, yes, dude. He's twitchy, right? Like this is a guy that just, it's, it's twitchy. It's, it's like the, the, the twitch fibers in his body are insane. <laughs> so when he's, when he's rotating, it, it's everything he does. It almost looks like he's in fast motion, like, and not even in a bad way. It's, it's like the, when he starts his launch, it's like, Whoa, he just rotated that quickly and just exploded through the baseball. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's 19 years old and he's already putting up exit velos of 107, 108, 109 on some of his home runs. But also you talk about the swing. He gets unreal carry. I mean, it is easy lift to his pull side, backspins it. And when he connects, it, it looks a little bit reminiscent of that like jazz chisel finish 
where he's just going pull side lifting and just sitting there in the box and just like watching that thing fly away. Uh, It is really, really fun to watch him hit. We do have to note, though, I mean, he's punching out a lot. But how worried are we about a high school guy that's punching out a lot in low A? Not really. Right. Because I look at I look at Khalil Watson and for me, it's it looks like swing decision and pitch recognition, both of which come with experience. Some guys may never turn that corner. But the thing is, is when you have the kind of bat speed that Khalil Watson has, it affords you more time to make a decision. Right. Because the quicker your bat is from launch point to contact, the more time you have to decide whether you want to launch or not, right? Like that's just how it works. That's why these guys that have these for this freakish bat speed usually make better swing decisions because they have more time as Watson realizes that he has more time to decide than the average hitter. He's going to get better at recognizing pitches at deciding when to shut them down uh, and, and really leveraging that benefit that he has that very few hitters are really even in the same ballpark with. So defensively, look, he, he, he has all the upside in the world. I mean, we're talking about an off the charts athlete with a great arm. Uh, it's more just the consistency, the actions, the focus uh, out yeah. there as well. And those are things to, to follow, to monitor. I, I haven't seen enough defensively. Every game I went to, he didn't get a single ball. Um, so I, I can't say I've seen too much. I did see the arm on a couple occasions. The athleticism is, is there. He can run. Um, so, I mean, you're looking at this guy. He could easily be a top 30 prospect in baseball by the season's end. I don't think that's crazy to say, right? No, it's not crazy to say whatsoever. And, you know, while he's in low way, what I'm going to be watching for is just the highlights. I'm going to be highlight hunting with Khalil Watson because I know we're going to get a ton of them. We're going to get the tape measure shots. What I think the next stage of my intrigue is with Khalil Watson is how he handles more advanced pitching. And that's high A, particularly double A. So when he gets to Pensacola, I'm very curious what he's going to look like against advanced pitching where he's getting a heavy dosage of breaking pitches that are in the zone or starting in the zone, forcing him to chase. Because, you know, in high school, you get a lot of dick shot fastballs. In low A, you get a lot of guys missing with dick shot fastballs. So I'm I'm very curious to see what he doesn't, what he does with, you know, a, a heavy dosage of pitches that aren't fastballs that catch too much of the zone. And, and he's also a guy, and I think it's kind of building off of that point. He's also a guy that just wants to hit the ball a thousand feet every time. And yeah. when I was watching back on a lot of his ABs this year, you know, oh, two count and he's swinging like it's two and oh, you know, and, and it's low a. And I think, you know, he doesn't feel that pressure yet to like have to perform in a consistent level. Uh, he just wants to do damage and I get it. Uh, but Again, you're, you're trying to climb through the minors. You're trying to be a complete baseball player. When you are behind in the count, you cannot be taking 2-0 hacks at fastballs, you know, at your shoulders. It just looks like he is still in that go mode, hit those highlight real home runs. And yeah. guys, like you said, will exploit that at the higher levels. If you know that 2-0, you don't need to give in to Khalil Watson if he'll chase a fastball up. Or if you know, oh, two, he's going to still try to swing for the fences. You, There's a lot of smart pitchers out there that are going to exploit the hell out of that. So one more thing real quick, because you said exploit, and my mind went to a word that rhymed. Low A affiliate of the Marlins is in Jupiter, right? Yeah. No, no. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Low A is in Jupiter. Yeah. So it's in Jupiter. 
Haye is in Beloit, Wisconsin. Correct. So, like, th- that's the thing. Let's look at the human side of this real quick. Um, Beloit, Wisconsin. Have you been? Uh, no, not on. Not, not there for a while. Not on the top of my. Uh, not on the top of my list. I, I waited for Griff to get called up to Pensacola, and then I, I visited him. I visited him then. <laughs> Okay, so 99.999% of the American population would make the same exact decision that you did, and the other 0.001 live in Beloit, Wisconsin. So <laughs> Beloit is, um, that that's not a spot that Khalil Watson's going to like living. I, I'm very curious to see what he looks like from the human side when he's living in Beloit, Wisconsin, as opposed to Jupiter, Florida. Yuri Perez got hooked up. He got to skip Beloit, Wisconsin. Uh, and, and it's a challenge for a lot of these guys. I talked to them. You know, it was a challenge for a lot of them, especially you know, staying disciplined, staying focused, and, you know, just staying up new, every single day. And, and new ballpark helps. And I like the broadcaster there. Larry Larson is the broadcaster there. But, like, Beloit, Wisconsin's not the best place in the world. Like, it's it's nowhere close to that. It might be one of the worst places to be in all of minor league baseball. So, um, you know, and I, I don't, I don't want to bury the town of Beloit, Wisconsin, but you know, that that's not a place that you want to spend too much time. So I I'm curious what the Marlins do with that, because obviously this is a golden ticket guy. This was a guy that was taken in the middle of the first round. They got paid like a high first rounder. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. He was, he was third overall on our mock draft. And I talked to a few other, uh, you know, people in the industry, uh, and they said, I, I don't care about any of the other questions. Khalil Watson could have easily been the number one overall pick like that. And I was floored by that, but you can see why they're saying that now I'd still go Lawler and, and Meyer ahead of him. I'd still go lighter ahead of him, but I think it's very fair to say that Khalil Watson based on just pure talent could have easily been a top five pick in last year's draft. You don't think he's got more talent than Meyer and Lawler. I, I think he's got more talent, but in terms of, of well-roundedness, you know, like I love Lawler's, Lawler's glove. Uh, and I think Lawler still has enough of that upside power wise. I think he's a little bit more polished of a hitter. I, I think you could justify uh, going Watson over, over Meyer. Uh, Cause I, I think Meyer doesn't have that tool that jumps off the page. Uh, yeah. It might be, the, it hit be tool. the hit tool, right? It would be yeah. the hit tool. And we'll talk about it. Cause like Meyer's ahead of him because of the polish. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you could easily justify taking Watson as early as possible in last year's draft. And a, a guy that went before Watson, but under slot, I, I feel like their signing bonuses probably weren't that far apart. I don't have it off the top of my head, uh, but one of my favorite, one of my favorite bats from the draft, uh, Colton Kowser, number five overall pick by the Baltimore Orioles, their classic under slot top five pick, which is hilarious. But this one I loved. I didn't like the Kerstad pick. And again, I'm not going to pile on Kerstad because things have not gone well for him off the field in terms of just being able to be healthy and available. And that's out of his control. But I didn't like the Kerstad underslot as much. Kowser, for me, I thought didn't even need to be an underslot guy. Like he is a baller. He, he is as polished of a hitter as you're going to find. Uh, he showed that in college. Uh, the power is in there. He's just still working to get it out and eke it out. But I'll buy on a 6'3", 200-pound plus hit tool guy with results who, by the way, is an above-average runner and has the power potential as he continues to fill out. I will buy on those guys any day of the week. And that's exactly what the Orioles did with Colton Kowser. Yeah, so I, I pulled up the draft tracker. I see Kowser got signed for 4'9". Slot value at 5 overall is 6'2". So that's, what, 1.3 under slot? 
Mm-hmm. Um, Khalil Watson at 16 got paid like he was the 11th pick. He got four five four. That was 750k over slot. So um, I guess that's what if four hundred thousand yeah. dollars more for Kowser. Yeah, it's not much that's at not, all. That's not a lot. Um, I my only thing with Kowser is I don't know how much power is in there. To be totally honest, like I'm not sure. Um, I see a really really good athlete. I see a guy that will adjust within at bats. The amount of swings that I saw that were situational swings made my heart sing. I loved that going the other way and just flicking a ball through the five and a half hole. I'm so here for that. This guy has the possibility to hit 310 for his career. That's best case scenario. He is that good. And if you, it goes back to to college. Um, You you talk about the, the bat to ball. He, He was one of the best in the entire country when it comes to uh, hitting fastballs, I think he swung and missed through less fastballs than almost any player in division one, which is crazy because he was also producing really exciting, uh, you know, all around power numbers, but more in the doubles and triples. And then, you know, squeezing out the homers department. The thing with Kowser is he has the raw power in there, you know, especially projection wise. He's again, six, three, 200 pounds. He could fill out. He probably has another 20 pounds of muscle to add to his frame. But again, his approach is kind of designed to not always try to be tapping into that power, like almost the, the opposite of what we're talking about with Khalil Watson, where it's it's a guy that's looking to use the whole field who's going to take what's given to him. But I think his Kowser, as we talked about with some other prospects on previous episodes, continues to leverage his hitters counts uh, and look to do damage in the right spots. I think he can tap into 25 home run power. Uh, and, and we're talking about a dude that can stick in center above average runner moves really well for his size and has already put up a 110 and a 113 this year. So every once in a while, he shows you flashes of this plus power. Uh, but it's, it's again, trying to juggle the tapping into the power without compromising. What is one of the better hit tools? I think, uh, in the minor leagues. So what I see with Kowser is I see 310 to 315, 30 doubles, 10 to 15 homers, and 20 to 25 backs. I mean, that's unreal. And imagine that, if you can no, I, I see all-star from him. I'm, I'm, I'm holding out hope that he can tap into 20, 20 bombs. Okay. But you know, you know who he reminds me a ton of? Yeah, and I'm curious if you're, if you're going to know who, who I'm going to say. I've been bad at guessing the last couple of days. I couldn't, I couldn't pluck Larry Walker as a 2020 Hall of Fame inductee last night. I, for some reason, my brain is just not firing on all cylinders right now. Brandon Nimmo. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's uncanny. It is. It, it's uncanny. And I think he could probably be a better defender. Although Nimmo, like I can't, I don't can't gauge if Nimmo's a good defender or not. He's like up and more down, up and down too. More speed yeah, than more Nimmo. speed, but he's going to walk a ton. He makes unbelievable swing decisions. Uh, and Nemo is a guy that we keep waiting on the power and it just, <laughs> it just never comes. So I could see that happening with Kowser, but I think Kowser has the upside, right? Like if, if Kowser doesn't tap into his power, he's Brandon Nemo. If he taps into the power, he's better than Brandon Nemo. And I think that's really the only separating factor, but Nemo is fantastic. Uh, and we've seen that. I think it could be slightly better defense and slightly more power. Uh, but I think the 50th percentile outcome is 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 kind of something similar to to Brandon Nimmo, uh, and that would be great. Oh God, that would be perfect. I'm in. Baltimore would sign up for Brandon Nimmo right now. 
And Nimmo right now this year, 268, 379, 518 slash line. Like that's kind of what you can hope for with, with Colton Kowser. So I'm a big fan of Kowser's and I, I, that's one of my favorite comps I can throw out there on a player that I actually feel good about. Cause I, you yeah. know how I feel about comps Kowser and Nimmo. I'm, I'm a huge fan of uh, those similarities there. And, and Kowser's a card I'm collecting as we're going to talk about uh, on the eBay segment at the end. Uh, Got you. Hey, before we move on real quick, um, speaking of comps, I was, I was looking at a lot of the NFL draft comps last night. Jamison Williams comp to Odell Beckham Jr. I don't see that whatsoever. <laughs> I don't they, see that at they, all. They, who did they compare? I, I tuned in for a little bit and they compared, uh, I forget what they compared one of the receivers to a, a Steelers receiver from like the 70s or the 60s. And I was like, how, how can you even? Yeah, what? How, what how can you do that? I, I'm waiting for the MLB draft comp when they compare like, uh, Connor Norby to, to Tris Speaker or something like that. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> this guy has do. shades of Walter Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for that. Cause yeah, I mean, I'm watching like they're, they're showing highlights of like the goalposts in, in the end zone. And I'm like, you can't comp anybody that had the potential to run into the, the goal, po- the field goal, you know, post in, in the, uh, end zone. You just can't comp anybody to, the, to that era. And that's kind of how I feel about baseball too. Uh, but Coming in at 46, Nick Prado. Uh, and Nick Prado got off to a bit of a slow start. And I mean, a lot of those guys in AAA did. I mean, MJ Melendez got off to a slow start uh, for the Kansas City Royals in AAA as well. The Omaha Storm Chasers, I believe oh, it yeah. is, right? Uh, yep. But Prado's starting to shake out of it a little bit. He's a guy that's going to absolutely hit for a ton of power at first base, probably one of the best defensive first basemen in the minors and walks a ton. Uh, He's starting to heat up as the weather heats up 36 home runs last year, snuck in 12 stolen bases, a testament to his sneaky athleticism there. And again, a really good glove to go with it and good on base ability. Uh, Nick Prado is the first baseman of the future uh, for the Royals, albeit there's going to be some swing and miss from time to time. Yeah. So uh, staying on the, Comp thing. My comp offensively is Barry Bonds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. Everybody, calm down. Um, yeah, with Prado, like I, I saw him the first week of of the season in Indy, and you know he had a Nick Prado type week, and he had a he had a 2022 major league first baseman type week. He hit three bombs that week. I think he struck out 10 times in six games. So, you know, there was a lot of swing and miss in the early goings. He's tightening up the approach right now. It took him a couple of weeks. And, and this is a guy that just needed to get acclimated to triple a ball again. That's what everybody goes through. The, the pitchers always win at the beginning. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure you heard that at, on the Cape, like, you know, it in a on the backfields on, on the backfields oh, of this spring. It was a joke. I was talking to the hitters are like, it's so unfair. Pitchers go yeah. in there and they throw and we have to try to like time things up again. It's not like riding a bike. Yeah, dude. And like pitchers can throw bullpens. Like there's not, there's not that drastic of a difference between throwing bullpen sessions and throwing in games. The, all the difference in the world lies between hitting in the cage and hitting against it's, live pitch. It's, it's, it's not even, it's not even close. So, I, I'm telling you, man, like until May one comes around, the pitchers always win. And, and I promise you that the pitchers always win. Um, but Prado, the pitcher won a lot, but he won a lot too. And, and there were some tape measure shots, you know, it was like 435, 440. I want to say one went 445. Like when he gets into it, it sails and he's, he's a big guy. He's filled into his frame, but he's still so athletic. And I, again, he comes up and he's a top five defender at first base in baseball. The Insulin. moment he debuts. 
instantly. And, and for whatever that's worth, you know, I always say that like it is helpful. It does help, but, but it obviously helps, dude, like it, it helps. totally helps. If he's going to hit like Evan white, then it doesn't matter. Cause Evan white's, you know, the best defended defensive first baseman, I think in baseball potentially, but you know, he, he, when he's on the field, he's just not hitting Prado's going to hit. It's just how consistent is he going to be? That's the question. Uh, there's a lot of zone swing and miss, which is somewhat concerning overall. But what I like about him is that he doesn't get cheated. His slugging on contact is as good as it gets in the minor leagues. And, you know, he's going to he's going to get his right. He's going to run into his home runs. He's going to he's going to he's going to produce and he's going to walk. Uh, but he's also going to swing and miss. Uh, and the fact that he adds in plus defense at first base, potential gold glove ability there. Uh, there's just too much to like here with Prado. He could strike out 30% of the time and still be a very productive big league first baseman. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, I, I think Prado and Melendez being in AAA is uh, very interesting. I think those two should be up pre all-star break. Um, Prado. I don't want to. Hmm. Is it fair to say that I think Prado is better than Carlos Santana right now? <laughs> um. What is Carlos Santana doing right now? Uh, he was hitting 100 a couple days ago, I know. I mean, I, I, he wasn't good last year. I don't think it's crazy to say that he's better than Carlos Santana right now. Carlos Santana baseball. Carlos, I was about to click on the, uh, the guitarist. That was, that's, that's the first thing I was thinking. Yeah, so he's, I have it. He's hitting 104, 306, 188. Yeah, so there we go. Yeah, a four ninety four OPS at the big league level. I think I think Prado can bypass that for well, sure. Here's the thing: is if Prado gives you a four ninety four OPS, he's going to play elite defense and give you better than a negative point two F WAR. And you know what? Play the hits, Carlos Santana through fifteen games. Sure, he's hitting one hundred four, but he's walked fourteen times and only <laughs> struck out seven times. That, so as long as he's walking more than he's striking out, he's still Carlos Santana. That, that's what he's doing. Twenty two percent walk rate, eleven percent K rate, <laughs> and he's hitting one hundred four. It's 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 unbelievable. Yeah. So Koenig Prado up because I could he could do that. I could promise you he'll do that. I promise. Uh, but coming in at number 45, a guy that it was really upsetting to see him uh, go down last year, but you know, he'll, he'll be back, I believe, relatively soon, right? I think that they're slow rolling him a little bit. He hasn't made his debut yet this year. DL Hall, uh, Southpaw in the Baltimore Orioles organization. Again, an, another prospect for these Orioles that, that are really building up a wealthy farm. Uh, disgusting on the mound. Absolutely disgusting. The fastball is plus plus the slider is, is plus uh, the numbers back it up last year, 31 and two thirds innings before going down with the injury. Three, one, three ERA three, three, three FIP 1.01 whip 44% K rate, 12.5% walk rate. Jack, one thing that DL hall said this spring that I didn't love is he goes, cause we have a 35 present on his command. Yeah. He goes, I don't know why people talk about questions on my command. It's because I'm trying to strike everybody out. Oh, I didn't love that one. No, I don't love that one. <laughs> I did not like that one. I don't like that at all, actually. Uh, um, but, but again, like I, I, I think he can. You, you get to the big leagues. You work with a big league pitching coach. That, that mentality will tweak very quickly. Uh, he struck everybody out. Like he struck everybody out and the command was better than it ever was last year before his injury, which isn't saying much, but it was better. 
Yeah. And you know what? You can think that if you're Dale Hall, you can't say that. So he's not only is he going to work with big league pitching coaches, but he's also going to work with a big league PR team that's going to tell him, you know what? Don't say that. Say that you're working on stuff with, with the uh, pitching staff here. Um, so DL Hall. Yeah. I, I saw he was just sent to Aberdeen, which is the high affiliate of Baltimore. And he's going to make uh, his 2022 debut at some point. It might be this weekend. It might be early next week with Aberdeen. That's high a, um, and then he'll ramp back up and he'll probably join Nor- Norfolk in, in triple a um, with DL Hall. I think this guy is one of the most electric pitchers in minor league baseball. Right now, I he is, you know, 100 from the left side. It's a long arm plane. It is a more whippy Madison Bumgarner with the delivery. Like it's it's the long arm where it comes behind you and you can see it from behind his back. And then he whips it all the way around. And it's, you know, he, he gets so much momentum going towards the plate and it comes at you and you have no idea what to do with it. Hence all the strikeouts, but also hence all the walks, because sometimes he doesn't know where it's going because it's such an athletic, loose, whippy, long delivery. So I'm very curious to see how he tightens it up. Even if he doesn't tighten it up, he's going to be like, you know, walk everybody, strike everybody out. He will be that all-star season that Robbie Ray put together in Arizona. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, and, but that's the thing is like, I think the worst, his absolute worst case is, is that inconsistent Robbie Ray. But then yeah. the best case is, is he could put it together like Robbie Ray. Uh, so I, I'm a big fan of his. I think that the, the, the injury concern is, is there to a degree, but you know, I, I think that there's also some adjustments that he's made in his delivery that have not only taken some of the pressure off of his arm, I think that will also be more conducive to consistent Consistency with this command. What I love is, is if you're a lefty, you don't have a shot. You don't have a shot against no. the all. It looks like the ball is coming behind you. It looks like it's going to be behind your back. And it's the way his delivery comes at you. It is funkier than Robbie, right? Like it is a level of almost, I, I like, I'm not going to say Randy Johnson, obviously, but it's like that level of coming at you. looks like it's in the other batter's box. I can't think of somebody that really does that. Trevor Rogers ish. I'm not going to bring him up two podcasts in a row. There you go. Chris Sale. Chris Sale. Chris Sale. Chris Sale does it. Okay. It's similar to that, but from a more normal arm slot, I would say it's a little so, bit, it's higher up, but he comes out. I don't know how to describe this guy. It's weird as hell. It's great. Let's call it, let's call it a Chris Sale, Madison Bumgarner hybrid delivery. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, it works because off his fastball last year, 433 OPS off his breaking ball, 510 OPS. I mean, you, you just, and that's the slider and the curveball. So like, you just don't really have a shot. Um, if he's locating, you really don't have a shot. And that's again, a testament to the stuff, a testament to what he's got going there. And there's a lot of belief that the changeup uh, can continue to develop as well. I, I, I liked flashes of what I saw, but again, it was inconsistent with the arm slot uh, and a little bit firm on him at times, but he was 97 to 99 last year, man. Um, so if he stays yeah. healthy, this guy has ace potential that you're just going to have to to deal with the blow up inconsistent starts at times, but that's fine when you're getting 10 K's and no runs the other days. Yeah. Let, let's just bold underline italicize and you know, like all caps um, if he's locating cool, because when he's not locating, it's going to be like DL hall might go four innings and throw a hundred pitches. Um, but if he is, you're right. It, it's seven shutout with, with 12 punch outs. Would it be crazy to say probably one of the names we're most excited to watch this year on the bump? Oh my he's, God. He's, he's probably, he's the pitcher that I am most excited to watch because 
the, the pure stuff is next level. The pure stuff is better than the overwhelming majority of pitchers that we well, have in front of him on this list. We talked about Kyle Harrison, right? Who's just behind him. Um, we love Kyle Harrison. This is, this is way better stuff. <laughs> and Kyle Harrison stuff is elite. I mean, that's kind of the bucket that DL Hall is in. Like we, we were saying Kyle Harrison could be the best left-handed pitching prospect in baseball. The only way he's not, I think, is if DL Hall has something to say about it. Right. Yeah. And we'll see what Lodolo looks like in his first couple of starts with the Reds. And obviously he's going to graduate and all that. Yeah. But I mean, you could make the argument that that DL Hall is already way more electric than Nick Lodolo is. The stuff oh, I think is better than Lodolo already. No, the stuff's better. The reason why Lodolo is so much higher is that he's almost the opposite where he's spotting. And like when his stuff is off. Great. you got a heavy tumbling or bowling ball fastball that he can locate at the bottom of the zone and he's going to get ground balls and survive a start. We don't have that fallback plan for DL Hall. I don't know how he survives the starts where he's not going. Uh, and, 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 oh, do you have anything else on Hall? I'd say probably just don't throw strikes. Like if it doesn't look like it's going well, if I were DL Hall, I would say, you know what? Like, screw it. This is a wash. I'm going to walk five guys, get taken and out. Get and out. We'll yeah, get just take, we'll take, get take, out. Yeah. Five we'll more do games. it next time. I'll save the bullets this time around. Uh, and, Talk about a, a bad start. Uh, Luis Matos, man, uh, not a good start for my guy because I love Luis Matos. Probably one of the longest write-ups on, on our top 100 list because I was just kind of detailing the difference between, you know, a good, a good hit tool, but also an approach that's partly due to the good hit tool. A young hitter that feels like he can put the bat on everything results in a guy taking swings and putting the bat on the ball when it's not a pitch he can do much with, right? Like 2-0 count and you're swinging on a pitch, a fastball tailing a ball off the plate. Don't do that uh, because you're going to roll over instead of taking it for a borderline called strike and it's 2-1 and you still have an advantage. Instead, uh, you ground it out to third. And I think that's what Luis Matos is dealing with right now because the guy's hitting 140, 234, 140, but he's only striking out 18% of the time or 19% of the time. And he's walking 9%. If I told you Luis Matos is in high a and through the first 15 games, he has an 18.8% K rate and a 9% walk rate. You'd be like, Oh great. Matos is off to a great start. <laughs> he's yeah, not. Here's the, here's the thing though. Bad contact. Like bad that's, contact. that's what you're saying. He's swinging pitches that he shouldn't be swinging at. And he's putting balls in play that he shouldn't be swinging at. He's got eight hits, zero extra base hits. All later singles. So this guy is swinging at bad pitches right now. And, and the bat to ball is good. Um, you know, really I think good. he's got, I think he's got a little bit of the Baez load. Do you see it with, with the bat cocking and with like the pitch selection here? Um, Baez had a lot more raw power, but he's got a lot of the Baez approach of the plate where I'm going to get an A swing off. Um, but, you know, that, that A swing might look ugly if the pitch is low. I'm still going to try and go meet that pitch low. The crazy thing is, is for Matos, it's it's more under control. So he, he gets the bat on everything. It's almost a problem. He'd be better off swinging and missing. I think I literally said that. I was like in the write-up, I was like, there's there's instances where he would be better off swinging and missing because then you recalibrate and it's two and one. Uh, but instead it's 2-0. He, he has this a little bit out of control swing and puts the bat on it and rolls over. And now the at-bat's over. So with Javi Baez, he takes the big hack expands the zone, misses, it's two and one, run it back now. You still have another hitter's count. For Matos, he's putting the bat on everything. He's always a high-end zone contact guy, uh, and he's just a high-end contact guy in general. Chase contact is off the charts, which kind of sucks, and yeah. that's what we're seeing. So he's chasing. When most guys swing and miss, Matos is putting the bat on it, grounding out to short, 
and his at bats over. And that's really the only issue with him right now is yes, you have a good hit tool, a plus potential hit tool, but we got to tone it down and pick your spots because just because you can hit it doesn't mean you can hit it well. Uh, and I think that's what Matos is dealing with right now. Yeah. What, what made you latch on to him in the way that you did? Because I looked at a guy that, again, zone contact is, is really good. Uh, he's a good athlete. He has sneaky power as well. I mean, he put up 15 home runs as a 19-year-old in low A last year and only struck out 12% of the time. Uh, it was phenomenal from him. 313, 358, 494 slash line. He's an above average runner to plus runner and is going to stick in center field. So I look at all that and I'm like, okay, all this guy needs to do is tone down his approach. You know, all, that's it, right? Like all he has to do is be more selective and he's, he's good. Like that, that's it. And instead he returns this year and he's chasing at a 47% clip, which again, average is around 28%. So he is chasing 20% above average. That is, that's it for it, for him. Like it's, it's plus plus bat speed. It's unreal feel for the barrel. Everything that is, is physically being done by him is good. It's just the approach. I've never seen a guy so willing to swing at everything. And that's the only thing that's holding him back. I thought, okay, 19 years old, like he's going to get there. And I still think he can, but right now, I mean, you can't be swinging at 65% of off-speed pitches. Just, you just can't. So early in the maturation process, isn't this the same thing that we were saying about Wander Franco? Yes, the, he was just so freakish he could get away with it even more. But that was another guy that was swinging at everything. 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 And he was putting bad pitches in play, and that's why his batting average wasn't 680. Yeah, that was literally the only reason. He could have been even – and so he's not – He's not Wander Franco talented, but he got away with it in low A because of how talented he is, Luis Matos did. So I, it is similar in that regard, but you're not going to get away with the things that Wander Franco gets away with. And I think he's got to start to realize that. And even Wander was more toned down than Matos. But here's the thing. Matos starts picking his spots. He gets a little bit more patient. That's it. Like he doesn't need to tweak his swing. He doesn't no. need to tweak anything else. And that's why I'm not, I'm not souring on him through 15 games. Uh, yeah. But again, this is a glaring issue that I think the San Francisco giants can clue their 20 year old prospect into. And again, he's 20 years old, uh, but the, the power, the bat speed is really exciting. Uh, and I'm, I'm still very excited about Luis Matos. And again, I cannot emphasize this enough. He is on the greatest minor league roster ever assembled in uh, Eugene, Oregon with the Emeralds at the moment. It's, it's Matos, it's Marco Luciano. It's uh Oh, who, Kyle Harrison, Pat Gyro Pomares, Pomares, Hunter Bishop, like everybody. Casey Schmidt. I love yeah. Casey Schmidt. I mean, it, it is Nick Swinney. Like, it is a insanely talented team. It's like half of their top twenty uh, is is in is in Eugene. I, maybe almost makes me want to go to Eugene, Oregon. It really does. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> no, you can go uh, go on a campus tour. It, if you have like a family friend that's a high school senior, like just say, hey, you want to you want to go check out Oregon? I heard that's a lovely campus <laughs> just to go catch the emeralds yeah. uh, coming in at 43. Another guy that's off to a bizarre and slow start. George Valera, someone you saw a lot of talk about insane bat speed, uh, really exciting power potential, good tools across the board was phenomenal last year. Another dude that is younger than the level he's been at almost every single level. 
he is really exciting outfield prospect for the Cleveland Guardians. Double A has been a little bit of a struggle for him so far, but last year the numbers were fantastic between high A and double. 260, 405, 505 slash line, 19 home runs, 28 extra base hits, 148 WRC plus, 18% walk rate, 24% K rate. This dude's going to walk a lot and he's going to hit you some home runs. But right now, it's just, he's just not really putting bat on ball enough. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking about trademarking the, uh, the saying Jack's advanced metrics. Um, I, I brought it up on the Just Baseball show earlier today about Trent Grisham um, wearing long sleeves as an undershirt in San Diego and not using batting gloves. Those are my advanced metrics to prove that Trent Grisham is a pretty solid baseball player. My next advanced metric for George Valera, his bat flip is so quick. He lets go of the bat. He lets it fly. This guy can get out of the box way quicker than anybody else after the bat flip. You know, a lot of guys take their time. And like sometimes when the ball doesn't leave the yard, they're starved of triples because it's like, ah, I was dogging it for the first 90 feet. Now I've got a double here. I think Valera can go with as aggressive a bat flip as we've seen in recent memory and still end up with a lot of triples because he gets the bat out of his hand so quickly. <laughs> and again, it's a testament to how, how quick his bat is. It's funny that this list here, this is like, if we could title each, each group of 10 that we go through, I would just say like arm speed and bat speed. Yeah. Just limb speed. Just wait till we get to 42. 42 is the king of this. Um, Yes. Like, yeah. This is just limb speed with the pitchers, with the hitters. Like, I feel like we're repeating ourselves a lot, but these are, it's just a coincidence. Like, it really is because Valera has crazy whip. And that's part of the reason why he finishes his swing so quick. He just throws the bat straight down. He has some of the best bat flips I've seen. Uh, But a guy that is also heating up, like big time heating up. His last 12 games, Jack, 310, 442. 500 slash line. And the thing is, is he walked so much that he had a disastrous start, but he was still getting on base at a 300 clip. And so when he starts hitting again, it seems like the the overall numbers recover much quicker because you have a guy that even in his slump is getting on base 164 WRC plus over his last 12 games. I mean, the guy is, is starting to heat up into the George Valera that we know. And mind you, he he's 21 years old in double A right now doing this. Yeah, no, he's got all the time in the world. Um, This was a guy that was born in the DR, went to the Bronx, um, and then moved back to the DR and signed as an international free agent. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, cheat the system right now. It was, I I think, um, you know, he had some family issues and he had to go back to the DR. Um, So Valera signed as an international free agent, but he saw a lot of American pitching. He saw, like, he grew up in the American system. Um, So this guy, it, it, it was almost like he had... Um, you know, this kickstart as he was making his way through after signing as an international free agent. So with Valera, the thing that impressed me the most was how many deep counts he saw. And and I know that you mentioned that, like this guy is incredibly patient and he takes his walks. He had an 18% walk rate last year. He had an 145 point jump from batting average to OBP. Um, and, And this is a guy who, you know, you see the swing, you see the highlights. It's like, oh yeah, he's probably hitting 35 homers. No, he hit 19, um, and the double numbers weren't necessarily as high as you would expect, but this guy worked his way through deep at bats constantly. He's not and afraid beat, at all. No, he's not afraid at all. When when he gets to 2-2, the heart rate doesn't speed up. He's not scared of striking out. If he strikes out, that's okay. Every other prospect that looks like him is striking out 30% of the time. He's only at 24%. Um, the swing you mentioned is so quick. 
And it looks a bit more hectic than I think it actually is. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it it looks like there's a lot of moving parts. I I talk about Joey Weimer, who who also has a lot going on, but both him and Joey Weimer start so pre-stacked on their back leg that their load is almost almost done for them, right? Like they know that they don't need to do too much. So you have Valera really starting open and stacked on his back leg. All he's doing really is just getting his hands to a point where he can time up the pitcher. For him, it's just all timing. Uh, and that's all he needs. It's not a big load, get into your back hip, like yell it or whatever. They're already there because they are powerful enough to do that. And for him, he just uses the barrel tip as a timing mechanism and it works for him. His pitch recognition is superb. Uh, and he, he, we see that through the walks and we see that through just his ability to not chase. He's posted above average chase rates, meaning like lower than the average chase rates for the last couple of years. He continues to do that. He's not going to hit 300, but he's going to get on base like a guy who hits 300 does. So that's always going to offset some of the issues. Dude, he's walking at a 21% clip right now. I think he could almost be a little bit more aggressive. I almost implore him to be a little bit more aggressive. Him and Luis Matos need to like collide and create one hitter, and it would be the best hitter in baseball, I think. Yeah, I I don't necessarily know what peak George Valera looks like. I'm not sure. No, it's it's really tough, but I I think it's a slightly more aggressive hitter um, who then would eke out some more home runs. I think he could be a 260, 360. You know, like that's the crazy thing. Like he could be a hundred point difference and then 450, you know, slugger a little bit more than that kind of guy uh, that can hit you 25 home runs or more. I mean, he's a really exciting prospect overall. He, he has 30 plus home run power. It's just, he's not giving him enough. He's not giving himself enough opportunity to hit 30 plus. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I don't think he's giving himself the opportunity there. Um, I think, you know, if he doesn't get to the 30 plus threshold, I think he's a greater than a hundred point jump from batting average to OBP. I think this guy, when people realize how dangerous he is and if he has, you know, a strong month at the MLB level, nobody's going to pitch to him for the next two months. This is no. the type of guy that can put up the Bryce Harper type discrepancy between batting average and OVP, which we know is through the roof during his MVP seasons. Nobody pitches to Bryce. And no. when they do pitch to him, he does damage. I, I don't want to say MVP, but like all-star and solid all-star, all-star starter is what Valera could turn into. Absolutely. He's only swinging at 38% of pitches. So, you know, again, like you got to swing a little bit more than that, uh, but he's really good and he's adept to laying off the stuff that he can't do as much with. So he's only going to pull the trigger at a breaking ball. If, if it's one that's hanging that he can kill, if you locate three breaking balls, he'll tip his cap and say, you know, good job. That's my only concern though, is you get to the higher levels, you get to the big league level guys will start to locate that a little bit more. He's been a little bit more aggressive over the last few games. And I think that's why we're seeing a, a really steady production from him now. And, and I think he's going to, he's going to work that out and, and trust himself a little bit more, but Valera is super fun to watch, super exciting. And he gets his first baseball card now uh, in, in the Bowman baseball set, which I'm excited to talk about. I will be scooping his up in droves, uh, yeah. but another guy, really exciting prospect, Jackson Job, number three, overall pick in the yeah. 2021 draft, the number one, you know, high school pitcher in that draft. And it wasn't really close. Uh, yeah. Probably the best slider that we've seen from a draftee in a long time. Michael Fulmer even said that slider was off the charts. Again, bringing up my buddy, Michael Rothenberg with the Tigers said slider stupid, like stupid territory. Plus, plus fastball is easy. He's a data darling in terms of, of spin rates and everything he's able to generate. Uh, Job has the upside to be 
one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. The only reason he's not ranked higher is admittedly, we just haven't seen enough. This guy. So he's at 42 right now. Um, I think there's a world where mid season he's inside the top 30 and it, at the beginning of next year, if, if he puts together the year that I think he can put together, he's a top 25 prospect and he's a top five pitching prospect. Um, I think Job is one of my favorite pitchers in the top 100. I genuinely, like if I had to rank like three, I think Job is inside the top three. Um, the, so high school right-handers freak the shit out of you as they should. You should be terrified of drafting a high school right-hander in the top five. But Job is the exception to the rule, right? Because he does not look like Riley Pint or Tyler Kolick or, or anybody like that. Sorry to bring up Tyler Kolick again. <laughs> yeah, but, we, uh, we like to bring him up on here for whatever reason. Yeah, but like Job is, you know, obviously he's got the velocity. Yes, he's got the nasty bite on the slider. This guy is built like a like a Greek god. I mean, yeah. he looked way he had more definition in his forearms than I've seen on a high school hitter or pitcher ever. Um, and you know, I, I think a lot of people thought that he was the best prep pitcher since Hunter Green. Um, I'll say Green and Mackenzie Gore. They went two three in 2017. Um, I mean, this is the best high school pitcher that we've seen in a very long time, and he's more advanced than both those guys were at that juncture. That's a thing they, they were talking about, you know, how advanced he was. And I was, I was reading some reports on him. Cause again, this was one of those where with Job in the early going, I had to just defer to people that had seen him. I, there was not that much available. I watched some of the, you know, all American game stuff, but that's a one inning, two inning spurt. And everyone, the, the, the consensus thing I kept reading was advanced, advanced, advanced. Uh, and now I'm able to watch some stuff from him in his first couple outings, Jack, there were multiple sliders that he threw, uh, I'm not sure who the catcher was. I don't want to pile on him uh, because I I really think it was like unfair to have to try to get used to this. And I'm sure he'll get used to it. Like the catcher, I don't know if they were crossed up. I, I don't think they were crossed up fully whiffed on multiple sliders because of how much they broke. It, it's like, I, I'm not going to say it's quite Blake Trinan, but it's in that territory of throw it on pitching ninja. W- what the hell is that shit? Like that yeah. is what Jackson Job generates 3,100 RPMs on the breaking ball. Are you kidding me? Um, and then the fastball so far, well, you know, in this first outing that I saw was, was 96 to 98, like that on top of the body, on top of the, the polish that we're talking about for a high school arm, another dude. I mean, we're, we're in the range here where these guys can go one way or another. A few of these guys I'm expecting to jump all the way up to 30 or better. Yeah, do you have the do you have the spin on the fastball in his first couple of outings? Twenty five hundred RPMs, dude, dude. He's a data darling, but on top of that, he's polished. It's like yeah. usually the data darlings have no idea where their stuff's going. Right? No, that's that's Dylan Cease, right? Like Cease had no clue where it was going, but everything looked great on the rap soto. Um, exactly. Job is a he is both. Um, and, and that's why I like him so much. And, you know, when, when he was drafted, I watched the draft package again, that MLB network had put together and, you know, they, they had a slow-mo of, um, a view coming into him. So like a home plate view, slow-mo, and you can see the definition in his arm, in his yeah, right arm. I know exactly what like, you're talking about. This dude is so cut. He's so like, he does not have, you know, the measurements that say, oh, this guy's a thick guy. He's a thick guy, dude. It looks like he's got a film of muscle over everything. I'm not concerned about him at all. I think this guy is is a stud. 
I just texted you a clip. Tell me if that, and, and I'm going to tweet it out for those folks that are listening. By the time you're listening to this episode, it, it'll be, uh, it'll be available on oh, my Twitter. Was that a cross up? Is that a cross up or is that, uh, is that just a nasty slider that, that he didn't even know how to, how to catch? Oh, <laughs> so this is, this is against my, uh, my Bradenton Marauders, the low A of the pirates. This is my guy, Spencer Smith on the call here. Um, yeah, I'm just watching it again. It's on my Twitter. So go to my Twitter. If you guys want to watch this, uh, God, dude, that, I, that it's not a cross up. Like that's that not is, a cross up. No, not at all. That was, he thought the slider was going to move like a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like if I'm the catcher, I'm not even embarrassed. I don't even think I'm no. embarrassed. If I'm, I'm just like, dude, what would you do? Huh? So, How do you catch that thing? I would probably put my hands on my knees and bend down. And then I would walk back in the home plate umpire and the pit and the hitter would look at me and I'd be like, Dude, I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> yeah, what do, what like do you that. want me to do? What do you want me to do? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Did yeah. you guys see that too? Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Yeah. And the hitter's gonna be like, you you expect me to to hit that? And then I'll yeah, I gotta use this. Like you have the glove. Like, I gotta use this weird stick thing to try and touch that. And then the umpire is going to say, you're expecting me to be able to tell you whether that went through an imaginary zone that deems <laughs> it strike or not. I don't just even know it, where it went. Just call it a strike. Just pull yeah. an angel and call it a strike. Move on. It was, it was nasty strike. Um, yeah. But maybe one of the only guys that we talked about here that I'd have the confidence to be able to hit this, uh, to hit that pitch is Miguel Vargas, because I love how polished he is. Uh, I love the bat to ball. I've gushed about Miguel Vargas on multiple occasions. When we went through the, the, the Dodgers system, I gushed about Miguel Vargas. He's 22 years old now. He's already hit his way up to AAA. Such a smooth, easy, repeatable swing, a good approach. And now is heating up in triple A. He's going to play his way to the big leagues very soon. He's the future of third base, I think, for the Dodgers. And uh, I just love everything about this guy. Talk about just uh, you look at the swing. You don't even need to be uh, an analyst or a prospect guy or whatever. You just look at that swing and you're like, that plays. You don't even have to be a big baseball fan. You can just look at that swing and say, that is a pretty swing. My mom would see Miguel Vargas's swing and my mom would say, that is a pretty swing. And the results back it up. He doesn't strike out a lot. He's improved his ability to get on base. The power continues to develop and it's an above average to plus hit tool. It it looks exactly like Alex Rodriguez. Like again, there is a lot of similarity. We can just overlay the videos and it would probably be identical between Miguel Vargas and Alex Rodriguez. It's just the only difference is he's not the freak that A-Rod is. So when people are like, oh, then why is he not as good as A-Rod? Because he's not freaking... Uh, off the charts athlete who is also juicing and, and flies and has twitch fibers and whatever, but the swing is conducive to line drives all over and back spun line drives that turn into home runs. Yeah, no, I mean, this guy, like he is, he's as pure a hitter as you have on this list. I, I agree. And the home run to fly ball rate keeps getting better as he's gotten stronger. He's a sneaky six, three. So as he's continued to fill out, just gets better and better again, repeats his moves so well and he hits everything. He hits everything thrown his way. He's really just difficult to get out. I love the way that he's able to leverage his counts. He'll go pull side when he really wants to take that A swing, but he is so comfortable at using the whole field, at taking what's given to him. And that's why I think he's he's going to be one of those guys that will be one of my favorites for rookie of the year if he doesn't grab, you know, if he doesn't lose his eligibility this year. Because again, I'm when I say this guy could win rookie of the year. It's not that I think he's better than the other rookies. Like when I gave out some rookie of the year picks this year, none of them were Bobby Witt. 
because I knew Bobby Wood's game would, would need a learning curve. When I look at Miguel Vargas, that's a guy that I think gets acclimated to the big league level quicker than most. Yeah. So you gave out Pena. You gave out Jeremy Pena. That's a guy that I, I knew would get acclimated. So there we go. And Vargas will get acclimated very, very, very quickly. My favorite thing about Vargas here, and it kind of backs up everything we just said, Jack, 897 OPS last year against fastballs, 880 OPS against breaking balls, 807 OPS against changeups. He just sits. He sits. He, he sits. And he, he, he sees sits whatever is thrown to him. Yep. I mean, what else do you want? And he's more than fine at third base. I don't think he's ever going to be plus, but he's, he's average there and, and he'll be fine there. But I think the Dodgers could use him as more of that rover. Like, I think he could play second. He could play first. He could be that guy for them a little bit too. And the bat's going to always be the big value there. That is a player that I am extremely excited about. Oh, and by the way, Jack, we're going to talk about baseball cards now. Look what I scooped up recently. And I scooped up recently. Can you see this? For our is folks on Vargas? YouTube, it's Miguel Vargas, Bowman Chrome Auto out of 99. <sighs> I, dude, he's not going for that much. So that's what I want to talk about oh now because God. a lot of the guys that we just talked about on this episode, I don't know if you have any final thoughts on Vargas, by the way, not to cut you off. No, I'm, I'm super excited about Vargas. I caught him. What do you think his game. ceiling is? I guess that that's a good final. Cause I, I've talked to some guys about this uh, that have seen a lot of him. And the only question is how much power there is. I think he's going to eke out all of the power that he can needs to eke out. But I think it's probably closer to 20 to 25 with, with a high batting average, more than, than 30 plus. Yeah. Um, can you, is my new nickname comp guy now? I feel like I'm just comparing everybody to like generic MLB superstar, right? Like, I, yeah, don't do I that. Up, I brought up the average, the OBP thing, like the Bryce Harper type thing. I, I choose like unique things. Um, Vargas, I'll give you a line instead of a guy, because I don't necessarily think there's a guy that functions like him right now. Um, I think Vargas is 310 with 20 bombs. Yep. I, I think so too. And probably early going closer to 285. And then as he gets better and better, we'll tick up. I think he's one of the few guys that could fort with 300 at the highest level. Uh, his cards aren't forting with 300 though. <laughs> you can go on eBay and scoop them up for his Bowman Chrome auto. His first is about a hundred dollars, which is still a lot cheaper than a lot of other guys out there. But again, like people that might be deterred by the price of the auto, you can get the base card for like 15 bucks, which is his rookie card just without the autograph. So you could get Miguel Vargas's rookie card for 15 bucks. It's a no brainer. And I think people really underestimate the value of the, of, of the base rookies, like the base Bowman Chrome firsts. And that's, when I want to scoop a prospect up, that's already expensive, Riley green, for example, Jordan Walker, I don't want to go heavy on $500 Bowman Chromatis. Cause I don't have that kind of money. I'll buy their base cards. Cause if you look at what Wander Franco Bowman first base cards are going for more than the freaking price of this Bowman Chromato for Vargas. So Vargas is a guy out of this list that I am scooping up without a doubt at that, like $100 price point range. Uh, I think it's a no brainer. Uh, who who else are you looking at? Like Valera just made his first checklist, which is crazy that it took this long for Valera. And I actually just bought a spot in a break with our folks at Wild Cards uh, for the Guardians, so that I can get Jacinto Noel and Valera cards. They're both in this Bowman baseball set for the first time ever. Uh, but like I'm looking at Nick Prado. That's not a name I'm jumping out of my chair to invest in. Colton Cowser, I think, is really safe. But like if he turns into Brandon Nimmo, I don't think people are going after Brandon Nimmo cards. Khalil Watson is also in this set for the first time too, but he he's extremely high risk. And Andy Pajes is already ex extremely expensive uh, because of his early production. Uh, assuming that Pajes is more expensive, 
And then the other guys are newer and cheaper, kind of in the Vargas range. Who are you looking at as a potential buy? So I, I know a lot of card people don't like pitchers. No, I know they don't like pitchers, but um, you know, isn't it, if you feel very strongly that somebody is going to be a top 10 pitcher in the game, then it's worth a worthy investment. Yeah. I think Jackson Job has that ceiling. I think Job has top 10, top five pitcher in baseball ceiling. Um, So if, if I were to invest in anybody and I'm looking at, you know, his cars right now on eBay, they're, they're cheap. They're like dirt cheap. His signature blows. It doesn't matter, but I'm just like, no, it's a signature. terrible signature. It's horrible. It, it's so weird. It looks like, I, I, you know what's I, happening? I, this next wave of kids, they don't know cursive. Yeah. Like we were the last gen or like the last like age group to really learn cursive. Then they axed it after us, which makes sense. It's kind of useless in today's world. Uh, yeah. But most of the stuff we learn in school is kind of useless. Uh, mm-hmm. No one taught me how to judge swings, uh, but no, Jackson Job is, is expensive for a pitcher but legitimately could be the best pitcher in baseball. And if you can feasibly think that, like I picked up two, two pitcher cards, the only two pitcher cards I've purchased, Grayson Rodriguez, Daniel Espino. Those are two guys that could feasibly be top five pitchers in baseball in a couple of years. So I think Job is in that bucket and it's worth buying a few of, I wouldn't go crazy, but I would definitely scoop up some there uh, out of the hitters. Who would you rather collect? Assuming that Vargas and Valera are priced the same. Valera has more upside. Vargas has the proximity and floor. If they're the same price, who are you scooping up? Vargas, simply because I think he's going to be a Dodger for 15 years. Yeah. I, I don't know what Valera is going to, going to be. Like I, Vargas has a little bit more reliability for me than Valera at this point. And he's also going to be a stud for the Dodgers. And he's going to win a lot of freaking games. And he's probably going to have a couple of rings in the first decade of his career. Yeah, and, and if you get off to a hot start with the Dodgers, your cards go nuts. Uh, Andy Pajes, his card is already several, like like $200 for his Bowman Carmada. So oh. it's twice Vargas. I'd rather have two Vargases than Pajes, I think, right? Yeah, Pajes has that, that crazy upside, though. More all-star potential. But I would rather have two Miguel Vargases, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I literally just, just bought one of his more expensive <laughs> yeah. versions of his card. Um, so, no, I, I, I would say, though, this span of 10 probably – a, a great spot to buy some of these cards. Cause these guys are on the cusp, but haven't quite exploded into the more expensive range. Cause when we talk about the next wave of 10 guys, it's going to start getting really expensive on the eBay side. Uh, but yeah. you can still get Valera for about a, or, or Valera. We'll see what his price is Vargas for about a hundred. But again, the base cards are cheaper as well on eBay. Jack, as we head into the weekend, any final thoughts on this wave of 10, should we do a little teaser into Who's next up? The next 10 prospects that we'll be talking about. Uh, I don't know if you have it in front of you. I can tell you who I think you'll be most excited to talk about. Uh, I, I've got it in front of me. Um, it, it gets better. Each it just time. keeps getting better, bro. It's insane. It just keeps getting better. There are a lot of guys. There are a couple of guys that are already at the big league level. Um, and, and there are a lot of guys that are knocking on the door. Um, we've got some of the more advanced pitchers on this list that are coming in the next 10. Um, including a couple of guys that I, I'm incredibly high on. Um, and, and one guy that is already making Rob Friedman a very happy man and getting him a lot of clicks and oh, a yeah. lot of ad revenue too. Um, and one of my best, one of my favorite position player prospects in all of baseball too. So um, it's going to be good. Our Colorado Rockies get a teensy bit of love. Uh, Finally. Next Monday. Finally, Finally, our Colorado Rockies get some love. Um, but yeah, I, I love this group at 10. This group at 10 was... Uh, <laughs> one of my favorites. 
I might like, I might like a bad teaser for a Monday episode. I think I like this group of 10 more than the next group of 10 and the next group of 10 is freaking fun though. I, I am excited. Uh, Probably my my favorite on we're going to talk about Nick York because he's off to I think a rocky start but I'm I'm a oh. huge Nick York guy. No, you just said his name. I can spoil it. Veen. I'm so excited for Zach Veen. Yeah, I mean they can look up the list. Yeah, they can look at the list. Just baseball.com. Go. Yeah, go look. All right, thank you everybody. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you on Monday. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.